Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. What's up, guys? It's great to have you here listening to episode number five of Chat with Traders. Now, before we get into anything today, I just wanted to say a really big thank you to everyone who has emailed in, subscribed, shared with me some feedback, um, connected on Twitter, left a review on iTunes, all of that. It's been awesome. So thank you and keep it coming. The support is awesome. So if you haven't had a chance to leave an iTunes review just yet, Please do it now. It's a great time to do it just while you're listening in. Um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just a single line is really helpful. So today's guest, I'm stoked to introduce to you. His name is Steve Burns. He is undoubtedly a successful trader. He runs an active blog. And on top of that, he's published several books, including the New Trader, Rich Trader series. So Steve is here today to talk about exactly that. What are the traits that separate new traders and rich traders? Tight risk management and a solid knowledge base seem to be two traits that get a regular mention. But over the next 30 minutes, we will uncover much more than just those two topics. So stick with me. All right, let's get into it. Here is today's guest, Steve Burns. Hey, Steve, thanks for coming on the show today. It's, it's really good to have you here. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Aaron. No, you're more than welcome. So, Steve, how's your week been? You, you've been keeping busy? Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, week in the markets, getting getting toppy up here and been really watching the intraday action to see see what's going on. So it's been a very interesting week. Okay, great. That's, that's really cool. So I've got plenty of notes here and a, a lot of things I'd love to ask you about. So um, let's get right into it, eh? So, Steve, give us a bit of an introduction um, and a bit of your background on where did it all start for you and how did you get into the stock market and talk a little bit about what was the attraction for you? Yeah, I've always been fascinated with numbers 
and uh, the stock market itself, you know, really the technical side of how prices move and what causes them to move. I mean, I remember looking at newspapers when I was a child, just looking at the, the stock uh, tables and the arrows up and down and just being absolutely fascinated by it. I don't remember a time where I wasn't fascinated by the stock market and the, the daily pricing. So, you know, when, as soon as I was old enough to have the opportunity to uh, actually start putting money in the stock market, whether it be in individual stocks or in uh, indexes or index mutual funds, you know, I started when I was really 18, 19, as soon as I possibly could. And uh, been uh, growing capital and building capital uh, since I was a teenager. Okay. So when you got started, I mean, how did you know what you were doing? Um, where, were you, where were you learning from? Well, I started off like as an investor, so I really looked at the fundamental side and and looked at you know what companies that I liked and what companies I thought had potential to grow. A lot of time, whatever company I was working with at the time, I would study the price of the stock itself on a daily basis for the price action, and also looked at fundamental earnings growth and um, and, and what would happen trend wise with the company itself, as if I was looking at like a, sort of like if you were in high school and you had all the people you went to high school with and you're trying to project which one of them would earn the most money and want to invest in them as a person. That's how I looked at companies. When I first started out, I was more of an in- investor, sort of, but looking at a trend in a uh, in a future individual stock. Okay, right. So how did you go in your early days? Did you have you know much success right away or was it sort of a bit of a, bit of a slow grind? Yeah, I think I had the unfortunate... Uh, uh, success of being in the 90s and I, I got really more aggressive towards the mid to late 90s with the capital and I just got too it become too easy and I got too lucky with the tech I was mainly just in tech for the late 90s so it was very little pullbacks and uh, a lot of uh, exponential growth especially in the the web-based companies so I sort of got spoiled in the late 90s and then uh, didn't react quick enough in the March 2000 and 2000s I tried to uh, adjust and kept trying to swing trade to the upside and found out very quickly that stocks don't always go up and I'm, I'm not the genius I thought I was in the late 90s and I had to really learn how to how to trade trade better to survive through 2001, 2002. Okay, right. So you were sort of kept trying to go long as the market was definitely sort of on the fall. What were some of the other things you might have struggled with early on? Was there anything that stands out as being particularly difficult for you? Yeah, it's trading too big and being too aggressive, you know, taking too big of a position sizes because it worked so well and I was so rewarded in the, the late 90s in tech and I had to learn the components of position sizing where you don't want to have, you have enough losses in a row, you end up being 50% down in your account, which I, I learned the hard way by the end of 2002 so you know I learned position size from that point on I never traded so big again I traded more controlled position sizing and was really focused on from 2003 on risk was my biggest focus and uh, not having a drawdown again like I had okay yeah I I did hear you talk about that 50% drawdown you had in your sort of earlier days um, in another interview I was um, listening to with you um, you promised yourself that you'd never get back into that situation. Um, and so what do you think it was that led to that? And how did you end up in that position? Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't understand the dynamics of shorting or the, uh, you know, buying protected puts. I, I just thought, you know, investing from what I'd saw from the, even looking at charts back when I was a child from the 
the mid eighties all the way through to 2000, really from like 1982 to 2000 outside of a few, you know, smaller bear markets. I mean, it was a pretty straight up trajectory. And if you bought and held even you won in the long term. So I was so long biased. I couldn't even, I couldn't believe that the NASDAQ could go from 5,000 back to what was it, 2000 or so. I couldn't even comprehend that. So I learned that it can go both directions. And that really, uh, really, Maybe understand the risk involved. If you can't just buy and hold, I mean, you can stay stagnant like it did from from 2000 all the way through to uh, 2011, 2010, where pretty much was a side of people that bought in 2000 were still even on buy and hold after a decade. Okay. Before we move on, um, I'd just like to dive into that a little bit. What gave you the confidence to continue trading after you'd essentially just lost half of your account? I mean, it, it could have been very easy for you to get discouraged admit defeat and move on so why did you not walk away then yeah i mean i had you know i learned from the time i was in my late 20s i had had enough of my uh, my largest capital trading account to pay off my house at 28 and that beats the heck out of a 30-year mortgage of fighting with it so i knew the potential was there given the right trends and the right uh, trading methodology so i mean i knew that i could get back to where i was and then once I got back there again, I wasn't going to give it back. And I was going to use it to uh, grow more capital and have more money to spend in other ways by just simply selling my time to an employer. So I knew the potential was there. I knew I did it before, and I, I knew I could do it again. And I knew many other people studying the, the legends of trading had done it. So if they can do it, I figured I could do it. You know I mean, what other game promises you such an upside potential? Okay, great. No, I think that that's really interesting that you could identify the potential and it was just about learning how to actually take it, I guess you could say. Um, if you could, tell us a little bit about your actual approach to trading. So how would you define your style? Well, really, everything I do is based on trends, whether it be a, the longer-term trend of the stock market, a sh- shorter-term trend, even a swing trading inside of the prevail, prevail, prevalent trend. You know, everything I, everything I do is, is based on how I can best capture a trend in a specific time frame. And there's many ways to do that, even going into options where you're betting on a lack of a trend or you're betting on the end of a trend. So everything I do is all through a filter of what is the trend at each time frame. Okay. Now, I understand you tried several other methods of trading. Um, You kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier on too. Um, but I believe you also tried sort of things like day trading, um, value investing. So what is it that you like about this approach that has had you stick with it? Yeah, I, I like the reactive technical analysis approach where I'm not trying to predict anything. I'm just reacting to what's going on in a particular time frame. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to be with the market itself. I'm not trying to beat it. I'm trying to do what it's doing. And it's much easier than you know being a fun trading off fundamentals as a value investor, and you you think there's untapped value there in earnings, and you're just holding it. What well, could be a year or two years, never knowing you know when it's going to move up, or you know being a day trader where you're sitting in front of a computer for anywhere from eight to ten hours a day, wasting all your time when the the money I've made, all the big money I've ever made, has been in a trend where I've done nothing, where I bought something, whether it be a stock or an index and held it for sometimes up to a month, two months, or longer, and that's where the real money came from. Not sitting at home every day trying to find a few nickels and pennies off underneath the steamroller. I just uh, got on a rocket and, and let it fly. I like it. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> um, 
I believe your approach is also influenced by the Nicholas Darvis system. Could you shine some light on this and, and maybe explain uh, what this is? Yeah, it's a, a lot of it. I'm not as aggressive as I was when I was younger. As my accounts have gotten bigger, I've gotten much more conservative with my capital. But uh, but the, the Darvis system fascinated me because uh, a dancer who became a multimillionaire in the in the 60s by simply finding the biggest fastest moving stocks in the entire stock market based on nothing but the actual price action and people buying it and uh, bought them never watched the market in the daytime saved all the emotional trauma and stress of watching it just simply bought in the fastest moving stocks if they went down to a certain point under a support he sold them if they went up he held them as they kept going up and trailed his stop and uh, made an absolute killing which goes against all the the common accepted common sense of uh, trading even to this day so I found it fascinating a lot of the things he did, and I even find fascinating that he did a lot. Nicholas Darvis did the same thing in the '60s that a lot of modern day wizards of uh, trading do today, like Ed Sakota and um, and William O'Neill and uh, different traders that have found uh, that his system worked. Which really, he was a trend follower of individual stocks. You know, the most world changing stocks. I think he was in stocks that you know, like created the first rocket fuel and uh, the growth behind that, and the first. Um, uh, the very first uh, filtered cigarettes with Lori Lard, and he was even in companies that were takeover candidates that kept going up. And his approach was so simplistic, and he was so ahead of his time. I always found that incredibly fascinating for his method and his psychology he used to capture his method. So uh, it was very fascinating. Okay, so how did you sort of discover that and, and learn about um, his system? Well, I saw his uh, book on Amazon, How I Made $2 Million in the Stock Market, which sounded like, you know, I saw it so many times that it was sounded ridiculous. But then I kept coming across it online where so many people uh, talked about it and how amazing his story was. So I finally had to buy it and read it. And it was, I found his simplicity of his approach and the power of his approach was amazing. And then to see all the similarities to the modern day trend followers and the modern day traders with, you know, he was looking at, support and resistance, but he called it Darvis boxes and looking at the psychological approach to what the traders were doing that were accumulating his stock. He was simply getting in stocks that were being accumulated heavily by uh, by traders, and, and uh, he was playing he was trading with a psychology dynamic instead of a predicting, guessing, uh, random dynamic or fundamental dynamic. So I think he really was way ahead of his time. Okay, that, that sounds really interesting. Um it sounds like your trades are mostly based off technicals. Do things like fundamentals and news have any impact on your decision making? Not, not anymore. I mean, they did early on, but I never made a lot of money with the fundamentals. All my money came from uh, identifying and capturing long-term trends. So I really, over the last several years, have abandoned fundamentals completely, probably since about 2008. I went strictly to a technical technical side trading off charts themselves okay so you're just 100 percent technical analysis now um that that that's it no more fundamentals and news no 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 more fundamentals no more news it's purely a, a chart trading i mean i might use some psycho- psychological dynamics if the market rallies on bad news is a additional indicator or if the market sells off on good news, and, I, and, and but mainly it's chart patterns and just price action. Everything's based on quanti- quantitative charts. Okay, cool. 
So what does a good setup look like to you? Um, what sort of things are you looking for uh, to get into a trade? Well, there's there's a trend trades and there's swing trades. I mean, I'll also, if the uh, stock indexes are in a long-term uptrend, you know, over the 200-day and the 100-day and the 50-day moving averages, I'll also use an RSI oscillator as a filter for swing trades where on a daily chart, around the 30 to 35 RSI will give me a a swing low bottom and then a, a 65 to 70 RSI high will give me a place to exit and locking in profits or even selling bearish credit spreads at a, at a high level. Uh, I'll also use moving averages like if uh, it's in a price range for a long period of time then suddenly it breaks out of the price range to, to new all-time highs, I'll buy it and I'll trail it with a five-day exponential moving average or a 10-day simple moving average and simply let it run. Okay, so once you're in, um, can you tell us how do you typically manage that trade as far as placing stops, uh, div profit targets? Are you monitoring this uh, just at the close of day? Um, how do you how how do you typically manage a trade? It's, I will once I once I purchase, I'll have a stop loss. Like say um, the S and P 500 broke over the 200 day moving average, I'll uh, buy at the end of day and then I'll place a stop. You know, right underneath the 200-day, a close below the 200-day moving average. So it can still fluctuate under during the daytime, but at the end of the day, if it closes underneath the 200-day, then that would be my initial stop loss, which will be you know, relatively close to my first entry. But if it continues to trend, then I'll move my stop to a 10-day simple moving average. You know, if it trends up, it starts going up faster. I'll, I might trail all the way to a 10-day um, to a five-day exponential moving average as my end-of-day stop. But I'll trade small enough where I can use end-of-day stops where I don't have a physical stop in during the day. But wherever my, my stop is, I'll initially I'll attempt to never lose more than 1% of my total trading capital. So if I'm trading with a $200,000 account, I'll set my stop end-of-day stop where I won't lose more than $2,000 in the trade if that's 1% of my total trading capital. You know, And I have to use my position size to be based on the volatility of the underlying equity. You know, if it's a if it might, if it, if it, if, it, if what I'm trading may move two dollars a day, then I'll probably only trade five hundred shares of it. So if it does move the two, uh, the full range, it won't cost me one percent of my trading capital. So, and so there's an initial stop loss to prevent the loss of too much trading capital. There's a, a trailing stop if it's a winner. I trail behind it to lot to get it to get as much of the trend as I possibly can. Are two of the dynamics to go into it. Okay, that's that's really good. So you're, you're trailing stops to sort of lock in profits as the market moves in your favour. I know you really push the, the topic of risk management. Um, what would you suggest are some solid risk management rules that could potentially save a trader from blowing up their account? Yeah, this is, this is something that so many don't understand where uh, Larry Hyde and several other market wizards talk about never lose more than 1% of your trading capital per trade. And so many new traders and even experienced traders think, oh, that's too small. I'm not going to trade with more than 1% of my capital. And, and it's not saying trade with 1% of your capital. It's saying don't lose 1% of your capital in any trade. So, I mean, you can trade relatively large with um, even stock indexes. You just can't lose more than 1%. I mean, you could put half of, you could put 25% of your account in, like, say, the S&P 500 index. And a 50%, if it's 50% in, it can drop. Um, it'd have to drop 2% for you to lose 1% of your trading account. So that's one way to have a large position size and not uh, lose more than 1%. And if if you have multiple positions on, I don't 
I don't want to expose myself to more than 3% total risk. If, if I have three stocks and all three cause me to lose 1%, that's a 3% drawdown at one time. That's that's the most I want to, on any bad day, want to lose is 3% of my total trading count. A lot of times, I'll just do one trade at a time. I mean, I'm very conservative. I don't ever want to be in a situation where I can have four, five, six trades go against me and be down double digits in a single day. Okay, so that 1% rule, that's something you still stick to to this day? Oh, yeah, I've, I've become more believing in it more than I, than I ever have because if you can have uh you have a couple of one percent returns on your capital in a month you can have great annual returns and still never expose yourself to too much risk the danger mm-hmm. comes in the drawdowns where and they don't a lot of people don't understand you know you get down 10 percent, it takes an 11 percent return to get back to even you get down 50 percent in your trading account you have to have a 100 percent return just to get back to even and i don't know very many traders that have a hundred percent return in, a, in even a year so it's important never to have those drawdowns to so just slowly chip away and, and get and, and keep increasing your account. Yeah. One of the, um, a question I have about that would be um, if you're risking 1% of your account for, for a lot of new traders who have a reasonably smaller account, um, say they're risking 1%, the market's going to have to move quite away before they actually even cover their commission. Is Am I right in saying that? Yeah, a, a lot of times they that's a, a biggest mistake new traders make is they start with too little capital and then they blow themselves up because if they've only got a few thousand, then they're like you said they're shooting just to cover commissions they have to make, you know, so much percentage return so they go too big and they risk their whole account on even individual stocks and they blow up so many times because the probabilities are you know if you're risking uh, several even five ten percent per trade. You only need a few in a row losses, and you're blown up. So a lot of it, they just need to wait and build up enough capital to trade with effectively because the, the math goes against them sharply when they're risking too much money at one time because you're going to have a losing streak every time the market changes its um, character and dynamics or trend followers can make money for a while, but then suddenly it gets volatile or uh, a reversal happens, and you don't want to be trading big when that happens. So you, it's important you have enough money to get you through. Okay, so what would you suggest would be a good amount of equity to, um, or sorry, I should have said capital, to um, start with as, as a new trader? If you, if you want to do long-term uh, trend following, I mean, and you're, you're only going to make a you know, trade or two a month and trade really long-term time frame, then it's possible to uh, you know, start with a five ten thousand 10,000 if you want to. But you can't be an active trader. You have to get on trends and, and ride them and not cut yourself to pieces with commissions and bid ask spreads but to seriously get into some serious active trading you need a minimum of 25 to thirty thousand dollars in my opinion if you really want to actively trade okay and is is that a good idea for you know someone who's probably not traded before to take 30 grand and put it into a trading account with with no knowledge of trading before no, I, I think they, they get themselves messed up. They start trading first, then they lose, then they educate themselves. So I think you have to educate yourself first, then trade. Now, if they spent a year or two or you know, even a year reading all the top trading books, you know, going on social media, learning, Googling, researching, uh, you know, there's so many free resources out there. If they educate themselves first, you know, they start really small chihuahua trades. 
and you know they don't get their emotions engaged in it because they're trading maybe risking 50 bucks 100 bucks per trade at the very beginning then it is possible but they should never trade a dollar until they have a complete trading plan a, a trading system a methodology and they've done their homework first mm-hmm. that can save mm-hmm. a lot of money yeah, the, the, which actually brings me to another point. Oh, I heard you quote something before um, in another interview again, um, and that was the first thing a trader needs to do is not to trade for at least a year and do nothing but homework. Why is this? I mean, a year is a really long time. Yeah, it, which trading is like a it's a profession, just like a doctor, a lawyer, a professional athlete, and I don't know any lawyers that would try to bust in a courtroom and start practicing law without first going to law school or studying. So, I mean, a year for trading to come out and beat, you know, 90% of other traders to be the 10% profitable is still a very lofty goal. And the only thing that's going to give them that edge over other traders is to, to really understand what, they do, what they're doing, understand risk management, understand how their own emotions are going to affect their trading, understand how the market itself's emotions are going to make irrational things happen, and to understand, uh, understand historical price patterns and how they play out. And if, if they don't, they're not going to be in the, the 10% of profitable traders. They're going to be in the 90% of frustrated traders that are losing their money and don't even understand why they're losing their money. So it, it, there's no other field can you walk into and participate without first earning the right to. Trading is one of the few places you can get an account and get going. You know They won't let you go to the NBA and play one-on-one with an NBA player. You're, you have to earn that right. Of course, yeah, which... Which brings us to another point, and that's you know getting the edu- getting educated. So, I'd like to ask you, how should those new to trading seek out an education um, to be able to get those um, those rules and everything you sort of mentioned just before? I mean, it's very easy to purchase a high ticket workshop or something similar to that, but that's probably not always the answer. I mean, what would you say there? I think there, there's so many free resources nowadays. You know, the, the they have to. The problem with new traders is they don't even know what the right questions are to ask. First, you have to know the right questions before you can even find the answers. You know, a lot of what I do with my uh, my blog, uh, New Trader You, and my um, my my books and my my book, New Trader Rich Trader, is I try to give them the right questions to even ask. And once they know the right questions. Then they can move on to reading more advanced books. They can study uh, historical charts and patterns. They can learn to do some simple back testing on uh, some simple software, even web-based software. They can uh, listen to read books like Market Wizards that all these uh, other successful traders give out their wisdom and the principles behind what they do. And um, and it's just crucial that they uh, educate themselves first in many ways. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more.
Okay. So by reading so many books and having all that information there, you must absorb a lot of mixed messages. How do you filter the noise from all that information and use it to your benefit? I think that's the key is people have to find the methodology that fits their personality. You know, some guys actually like sitting in front of the computer and scalping all day long. Other people, you know, want to look at the long-term trends. You know, some are discretionary that like to find ways to beat the markets with their own decisions. Others like to have a purely mechanical system that they're simply taking entries and exits. But the key is they got to find what is going to work for them personally and write the trading plan geared to their own personality. And they have to have their own entries, exits, position sizing, risk per trade, maximum portfolio heat. They need their own trading plan. They don't need to go get tips or ask people what they're trading. They need to have their own methodology and system. And really, it all starts with a trading system and a trading plan. And that's what they're really after. Okay, so would you say it's sort of taking bits of information from different places the bits of information that like and sort of stand out to you as something you'd like to try and then sort of putting it all together? Yeah, it's like a buffet where you're finding the trading rules that will work for you and what your own risk tolerance is and what your person what what, what your personality can handle with risk and um, and and following trades. So some traders are very comfortable with a high winning percentage system where they might win 80, 85% of the time with uh, short-term trades. And then other people you know, trend followers and make all their money from just a few huge trades through the year with a very long-term trading plan where they stay in and they let it fluctuate a lot more. But you you have to, if you can't follow your own trading plan, then nothing will work. So you have to find what fits your own personality and is profitable. Okay, right. So where is one area you see people reasonably new to trading continually getting it wrong? And what would you like to say to them? Yeah, I see even people that's followed me for years they're just obsessed with predictions they want to know what do you think is good what, what's your trade what, where do you think this is going everyone wants to predict when you know the future does not exist the future is not going to exist until, until uh, we move day by day into it so there's no way anybody can look at all the dynamics of all the buyers and all the sellers and all the variables that can go into any market there's no way to predict the future all you can do is trade each day based on what is actually happening, based on resistance, support, trend, moving averages, volatility. You have to trade what the market's giving you that day. You can't um, you can't predict anything. It's impossible. Anybody who says they can is lying. Okay. I think that's really interesting, yeah. I've been asking this question a lot lately, and it's kind of similar to that last one, but a little bit different. Um, I mean, I'm really interested to know what do you believe is the difference between traders who make it and go on to have huge success and those who don't make it anywhere? I mean, I'm thinking you could probably do an entire episode on this subject alone, seeing as that is essentially what your book, New Trader, Rich Trader, is all about, right? Yeah, it's actually I'm trying to refine all the winning principles that I've seen that are common amongst all traders. Like you said, they're different, but they all have some common principles. So what is it that you believe separates the ones who have huge success and the ones who, you know, never take off? I think the, there's a universal principles. You know, there's risk, the, the survivor bias where you see the ones that made it. The one thing people don't look at, the ones that did make it and made it for a very long time are the ones that manage risk. If you don't manage risk and you risk 
you, you put your entire counter at risk enough times, you will blow up. As Victor Niederhofer found out, you know, he was an amazing trader, had a, some of the best returns ever, and then blew up several times. If you're if it's too costly to be wrong once and you blow up, then you will eventually blow up. Also, the discipline to follow the, a plan, whatever the trading plan is, without the discipline to follow it, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't. If some, no matter how good someone is, if they don't have discipline to keep the position sizing right and keep taking their entries and their exits. You know, they're not going to make it. So we got risk management and we've got discipline, and then we've got the other reacting. So many legends they they were reacting to what was happening, all the way back to Jesse Livermore, Nicholas Darvis. You know, it's the predictors that believe they can't be wrong. Also, are the ones that blow up. So you know, reactive technical analysis, uh, discipline, risk management. There's also perseverance. If somebody decides they're going to be a winning trader and they're not going to stop until they are, then generally only time separates them from success. Yeah. So then they got to find out how they're going to do it. So it's yeah. just a matter of time. Yeah, I think you, you put that really well, Steve. Um, what advice do you have for any traders who maybe struggle with the emotional side of trading? Uh, the only thing that's going to get them through is they've got to develop faith in themselves and faith in their system. They have to know that they're going to do the right thing and when the real money's at stake, and they got to know that their trading system is a winner in the long term, and their risk management will keep them in the game. So they've got to have a faith in themselves and a faith in their, in their system, and also they have to not trade so large that they activate all their emotions. And once you start getting emotional in your trading, you know, you're dead. You have to stay... You have to stay unemotional, and it, it just be numbers, and it, it just be num. You're just executing a plan, and not have your ego, your greed, or your fear, or your stress stress engaged in the trade itself. It has to be a business transaction. Okay, I think that's really great. Well, Steve, that kind of brings us towards the end of the interview. So, um, thanks so much for um, coming on and sharing those answers. But before we let you go, we'll um, we'll go to the closing bell, which is just a round of short, sharp questions. Um, so, the first one would be: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think it was uh, Larry Hyde. I think he said, "As long as you, as long as you manage your risk and go with the trend, this just has to work." I like it. What is the number one trading resource you couldn't live without today? Uh, I think the book Market Wizards was a real game changer. Okay. So I guess that would kind of answer my next question here, and that is name one book you believe is a must-read for any trader just starting out, and feel free to mention your own book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll throw in uh, Alexander Elder's uh, uh, trade trading for a living and he has a new edition that that really goes into the the managing your mind method and method uh, money minded method that was a the three things you have to manage although that was a great point in that book okay and as always we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes um knowing everything you do now what would you have done differently come day one i think i would have done all my research and study first and then traded and not traded first and then did all the study and research and learning okay awesome really good again Steve thanks so much for coming on the show um, before we leave do you want to share with listeners where they can find out more about you and connect yeah I'm on a very active on Twitter at uh, at S Joseph Burns on Twitter and I uh, 
I'm a, I blog at NewTraderU.com, and I also have one of my, my best-selling books is a New Trader Rich Trader, which has been a huge success. Okay, awesome. Now, all those links will be in the show notes, and um, thanks a lot, Steve. We will speak to you soon. Thank you, Aaron. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders. Thank you.